بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد فان احسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وان شر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار uh, so our lesson today inshallah ta'ala uh, taking benefits from uh, certain statements from the creed of imam at-tahawi rahimahullah uh, today we are going to look at the statement relating to the people of major sin the people who commit major sins how are they viewed uh, in the doctrine of ahlu sunnati wal jamaa and what will happen to them in terms of punishment and forgiveness and so these issues we will look at inshallah ta'ala and this is based upon the statement of imam at-tahawi in which he says wa ahlul kaba'ir wa ahlul kaba'ir the people of major sin min ummati muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wasallam from the nation of muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam fin nari la yukhalladun that they will be in the fire they will be in hell fire but they will not remain therein in eternity or forever idha matu وَهُمْ مُوَحِّدُونَ When they die, so they will not remain in eternity in the hellfire, when they, when they die, whilst they are muwahidun, whilst they single out Allah in worship, meaning that they are people of Tawheed. وَإِن لَمْ يَكُونُوا تَائِبِينَ Even if they had not repented. So I'll read that again. وَأَهْلُ الْكَبَائِرِ مِنْ أُمَّةِ مُحَمَّدٍ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ The people of major sin from the nation of Muhammad uh, they, will be, they, they will be in the hellfire في النار They will be in the hellfire لَا يُخَلَّدُونَ But they will not remain in there eternally إِذَا مَاتُوا وَهُمْ مُوَحِّدُونَ That is, if they die whilst they are people of Tawheed وَإِن لَمْ يَكُونُوا تَائِبِينَ even if they have not repented. So these sentences, we're going to look at them inshallah and take whatever benefits we can. Uh, so first of all from uh, Shaykh Al-Fawzan, uh, Hafizahullah, and he speaks first of all about Al-Kaba'ir, because we are speaking of Ahlul Kaba'ir, the people of major sin. And the Kaba'ir, those which are known as the major sins, they are the sins which are less than shirk. So they are below the level of shirk. And they are above the level of minor sins. So there are minor sins, and which obviously do not expel you from the fold of Islam. And then there is shirk, which does not expel you from the fold of Islam either. And in between, there are the major sins, the kabair, the major sins. And so the Shaykh then goes on to mention something important and he says 
what is the principle by which we know what is a major sin? So how would you know from the texts of the Qur'an or the Sunnah that something is a major sin? How do we recognize that? What is the principle regarding that? And so the Shaykh really summarizes what has been said by the scholars, and we will look at it in uh, a bit more detail as well. But he makes a nice summary, and he says that the principle that determines what is a major sin is every sin. So there's actually five things. There's five things. Every sin for which a prescribed punishment has been specified. Had. As you know, there are certain capital punishments for certain actions, like murder, for example, like stealing, for example, like uh, adultery, fornication, for example. Uh, there are certain things for which a specific prescribed punishment has been specified in the Sharia. Right? So this is the first of the five that can be mentioned. So either it has a specific had punishment mentioned with respect to it or specified for it, or it is something upon which Allah's anger befalls. So there are certain actions in which the texts in the, in the Quran and the Sunnah, it is mentioned that Allah is angry with such and such act or such and such person who does such and such act. So this, this therefore is now is also a major sin, is a kabira from the kabair. Or it is something upon which the curse of Allah, the la'na of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has been specified. Or it is something for which the hellfire has been threatened. This is the fourth one now. Where it is clearly mentioned that the hellfire has been threatened for a person who falls into such and such act. And finally, any act in relation to which the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he freed himself from the one who does it. He freed himself from the one who does it. Like he says, for example, that he is not from us who does such and such. He's not from us who does such and such. Right? So these, the scholars have, have said that when we look in the text of the Quran and the Sunnah and we find any one of these five things, this is what tells us that it is a major sin, a kabira. So, the Shaykh actually gives an example, مَنْ غَشَّنَا فَلَيْسَ Whoever deceives us is not from us. Whoever carries weapons, or who points weapons towards us, he is not from us. So all of these indicate that these are major sins. And of course, anyone who falls into a major sin, it is from our belief that he does not become a disbeliever. But rather his iman becomes deficient. He loses something of his iman by committing that sin. And so therefore, by holding this view, we are in a balanced position between two views, between those views of the extremists, uh, the, the, the, you know, the, the khawarij and the mu'tazila, those who basically say that anyone who falls into a major sin, then he will be a disbeliever in the hereafter. He, he has lost all of his iman. 
and he will be punished and he will be in the hellfire forever because his iman has become null and void just by committing a major sin and this is false and uh, likewise on the other hand the other extreme those who say that sins do not harm a person's faith as long as a person just believes in his heart he has knowledge of Allah and he believes in Allah and the books and the angels and the messengers and Al-Qadr and the Yawmul Akhir in his heart as long as he has this belief in his heart then sins will not affect his iman rather his iman is complete he has completed his iman already and so this is the other extreme who say that sins do not affect a person's faith a person's iman and they are known as the murji'a the murji'a so we are free from the khawarij and the mu'tazila on the one side and we are free from the murji'a on the other side rather we say that a believer who falls into any of these major sins then his sin his sin damages his iman his iman is decreased but he still remains a believer he still remains a believer and in the sunnah you know that there is the example of a man there was a man who used to habitually drink drink in the time of the messenger of allah sallallahu and he was nicknamed they gave him a nickname he was known as himar was a nickname he was given donkey and uh, he would be brought to the messenger of allah sallallahu and he would give him the punishment for drinking he would be lashed or you know whatever and so this this would happen and uh, on one occasion he was brought again and as he was being punished one of the companions said may uh, he said may the curse of allah be upon him may the curse of allah be upon him and so the messenger of allah sallallahu he said do not do not curse him for indeed he is someone who loves allah and his messenger So here we have a person who is a major sinner. He commits habitual major sins. But at the same time, he is someone who loves Allah and his messenger. How can this be? Well, this is because iman, when we look at iman, faith, faith isn't just like one thing. It's not like one whole block of something. such that if you do something wrong the whole of it disappears rather iman when we speak of iman iman is something that is divisible it is divisible meaning that iman what is iman it's made up of many separate things iman is made up of you know beliefs that we have iman is made up of the actions that our hearts perform Our, our hearts they love they fear they hope they have reliance and these are actions of the hearts likewise there are statements that we make you know we remember allah we make tauba we enjoin the good we prohibit the evil we recite the quran uh, we say good words to you know, our parents our children and likewise we do actions with our deeds so in other words when we speak of iman iman consists of of many different things And likewise sins and what opposes iman on obedience and righteousness that too consists of individual things a person lies he steals he cheats you know he 
he neglects his obligations right so a person can come and he can have a mixture of good deeds and he can have a mixture of bad deeds and so from his good deeds uh he has he loves allah he loves his messenger he does some righteous deeds he does basic obligations but he falls into major sins that does not mean he does not love allah and his messenger the two don't clash right so this is our the correct understanding and those who say that someone who commits a major sin he drinks for example he's now an apostate a disbeliever in hellfire eternally these are the ignorant foolish people who do not understand islam and these are the people like you know who who eventually go into the direction of people like al qaeda isis the khawarij you know uh, they have this extremism uh, with them they eventually go in that direction um so so this is the gist of what sheikh salih al fawzan said and coming now to the commentary of uh, sheikh salih al sheikh uh, he says that obviously we we've explained that we differ from the people of misguidance uh, the khawarij and the mu'tazila they are very harsh in this subject they're very harsh and extreme in this subject and likewise on the other side the murji'a who are very lax in this subject because they say that a person can, can commit sins and he will not harm his faith his faith will not decrease and this is also false this is also false as well and it's a very very in fact it's an extremely dangerous idea it is dangerous because really it it it undermines the the, the religion it undermines the faith of people if you go around and tell people that Allah is all forgiving Allah is all merciful Allah is kind Allah is generous and you emphasize these aspects or these names and attributes of Allah azawajal then what you do is you exaggerate the hope that a person has now you exaggerate his hope and therefore he starts belittling the affairs of sin so he will say to himself he will reason to himself that because allah is merciful kind generous forgiving then inshallah he will forgive me and he will commit major sins and he will you know belittle major sins and this is extremely dangerous this now means that as you know sins harm the society and so when you promote this mentality in the minds of the people then what you are really doing is that you are corrupting the society because this person will fall into major sins and major sins have an effect upon the society he will drink he will steal he will cheat he will neglect his obligations which means he will not be faithful of allah and that in turn leads to actions which you know cause him self harm cause the society harm right so this is an extremely extremely dangerous uh idea and so just because we are speaking of it here in the context of is- issues of creed you know we studying issues of creed does not mean that this idea doesn't it doesn't have presence in forms that we might not really recognize like for example there are many people uh, present today out there you will see them in the media on the tv on the channels you know these people are they they actually promoting this very idea but they're doing it in a in a different way 
the names and labels are different, but the idea is the same. And so these people come as, you know, modernists or reformers or, you know, or they sometimes claim that they are fighting extremism. Right? But just because someone is fighting extremism, right? So you have, for example, the extremists here, and you have the middle path here, and you have these people here, to them the extremists are the ones in the middle. Not the ones on that side. So these people come and then they basically claim, they use the, the, the label, we are fighting extremism. And what they are really doing is they are promoting this idea. That Allah just looks at what is in the heart. And Allah is all forgiving, all merciful. And deeds, deeds, it's a, it's a person's, you know, what a person wants to do, you can't, you can't uh, impose upon people. This is freedom, this is liberty, this is, you know, self-determined. This, this is how they label and they clothe everything up in this manner. And so the, the, the, the underlying idea is the same as this idea was, we are speaking of here. That they want people, uh, that, they, that, they, that, they, that they promote things which, which are really major sins, which are harmful for the, for the society. So, just as this extremism is extremely horrible and wrong and disastrous, and because its effects can be quite immediate, then likewise on this side, this idea is equally dangerous. Because on this side, the effects are, are somewhat hidden and they're not uh, you know, visible straight away. They they take time until you realize that the society has just degenerated and you know and and abandoned uh, the religion, and there's no meaning left to Islam and iman and kufr and tawheed and shirk and obedience and disobedience and righteousness and and sinfulness. That everything's become blurred now because because of this this mentality and this attitude. So. Therefore, what we believe, the sentences that you heard from Imam Tahawi, they actually present a, a, a balanced, correct position in this issue. And so, we believe that the people of major sin, they are threatened with the hellfire. They are threatened with the hellfire. And if they enter the hellfire, as long as they are people of Tawheed, they will not remain in the hellfire forever. Rather, it could even be the case that Allah may either punish them or even forgive them and not punish them at all. They are under the will of Allah. They are under the Mashia of Allah. If Allah wills, He will punish them. And if He wills, He will forgive them. So, when we so what we are really looking at now then in this, in this, in this topic is, is we are looking at the fact that in the Qur'an and in the prophetic traditions we see that Allah and His Messenger that they have made threats and they have made promises. A threat and a promise. Right? So all these things are now connected. Right? In the Qur'an Allah makes threats. Threats to those who disobey Him. Threats to those who disbelieve in him. And likewise, he makes promises. Promises to those who believe in him. Promises to those who work righteous deeds. So, really, when we are speaking about uh, paradise, hellfire, obedience, 
disobedience, sins made, uh, um, uh, righteous deeds, sins and major sins. All, all of this is connected to Allah making promises and Allah making threats. Right? Now when Allah when He makes a promise in the Qur'an, like for example He says, وَعَدَ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ لَهُمْ مَغْفِرَةٌ وَأَجْرٌ عَظِيمٌ Allah has promised, Allah has promised to those who believe and do righteous deeds that they will have forgiveness and a mighty reward. This is now a promise. Who is this promise being made to? Who is it being made to? Whenever Allah he makes a promise, that promise is for all of the people of Iman, including the people of major sin. Including the people of major sin. So everyone who has genuine Iman, meaning he's genuinely a true believer inside, he's not a hypocrite, he's genuinely a true believer, then every promise made in the Qur'an for the people of faith and righteous deeds, it applies also to the people of major sin. They enter into this. And as for every threat which has been made in the Qur'an, when Allah makes a threat, then this is for the people of kufr and shirk. And meaning the threat which is made for remaining in the hellfire forever. And so therefore this means that the people of major sin from this nation, they are not, they do not come under that threat. They do not come under that threat. Right? When Allah mentions that they will be in the hellfire forever. Right? They do not come under that threat. So, it's important for this to understand uh, because this again comes back to this issue of the Khawarij and the Mu'tazila and those who expel Muslims from Islam on account of major sins because what we see in this statement is that anyone who dies upon Tawheed but he is a major sinner he will not remain in the hellfire forever. He will be taken out or he will be forgiven. He could even be forgiven. He might not even have punishment to begin with if Allah wills to, to forgive him. So this is a general introduction to the to the to the issue, and so now we will look at some of the uh, some of the um, you know specific masail or specific issues to do with this. So the first issue then is again coming back to the statement wa ahlul kabair, the people of major sin, the one who commits a major sin is one who has two characteristics. There are two qualities that must be present with the one who commits a major sin. The first is al-ilm, which is knowledge. And the second is adam al-tawbah, which is that he has not, he does not or has not repented from the sin. This is the major sinner. So, as for the first condition, right, knowledge, which is that he knows that this action is disobedience. And he knows that it is textually stated that it is a major sin. Right? He knows this is a major sin. So for example, he knows that the curse of Allah is upon this act, that the one who does this act, or Allah is angry with this act, or there's a had punishment for this act. Right? So, so, he, so, so he has this knowledge, he has this ilm. And secondly, he commits the sin 
And he does not make tawbah. There's no tawbah for the sin. He doesn't make tawbah, he just leaves, he commits the sin, and he just leaves it without any remorse, without any repentance, without any istighfar. Right, so this now, it becomes a kabira for this individual. This now becomes a kabira for this individual. As for the one who makes tawbah, he makes tawbah for that sin, we cannot say this person is from the people of major sin. Because the tawbah is something which removes the major sin. It removes the major sin. So this brings us to the issue again as to what is the major sin and what is the definition of a major sin and how many major sins are there. And so the scholars, there are various various views. Uh, some scholars say there are only seven major sins and they base it upon the hadith in which the messenger of Allah sallam, he said, beware of the seven destructive sins, the mubiqat. And so they said on the basis of this hadith that the major sins are only seven. But this is not really a strong view, it's not a correct view. Uh, just because the hadith mentions the seven major sins uh, does not mean that you know there, there are not other major sins. And some others said there are 70 major sins, but there is no basis for saying there are 70 because there's no text which says there are 70. And so there's, there's numerous uh, statements some of them are restricted, some of them are erroneous. And then the Sheikh says that if we look at the best of what has been said about the definition of a major sin, then there are really there are two there are two good definitions which have been given uh, by the scholars or you know historically. So the first statement the first statement is a statement which is from Imam Ahmed rahimahullah and a group of other scholars. And what this statement says is that a major sin, a kabira, is that in which there is a prescribed punishment in the world, a prescribed punishment, or there is a threat with the hellfire, or the anger of Allah. Right, so this is similar to what we discussed before from the speech of Sheikh Saleh Al-Fawzan. Right? A prescribed punishment in the world, threat with the hellfire or the anger of Allah. So this is one way or one way to look at the definition of a, of a major sin. Another way, which is also a very interesting angle, it's a very interesting angle, this definition. And it also shows you as well, it's, there's some important benefits that we can take, that we can take from this which is that a major sin is anything which affects the five essential things that the that the sharia has come to protect right so as you know that in any law or law laws the scholars have looked at you know the text of the quran and the sunnah and they've said that all of the Laws of Islam. They have come to protect five things. They have come to protect sound religion, deen, sound religion. And they have come to protect blood or life, to protect life from being spilled unjustly and things like that. Or they have, have come to, or they protect uh, wealth. Mal, property, they've come to protect your property. Or they've come to protect 
your aql reason to protect reason and its proper functioning or they've come to protect lineage lineage or honor a person's honor so if we give some examples of each one uh, to protect religion because we know that there is true religion and there is false religion there's this false religion which is kufr and shirk so islam uh, from many of the laws of Islam is that they protect and they, they, they safeguard and they, and they protect sound religion. So there are many, many laws, for example, that, that, that prevent us from going in the path of shirk. Right? So we don't exaggerate in people. We don't make graves as a place of worship. Right? We are prohibited to bow to people and to, you know, to exaggerate and, you know, to show this kind of, uh, uh, exaggeration, right? We are prohibited from believing in omens and things like this, right? But, uh, so you can see that all of these things, these are, these are injunctions which prevent us from, for, uh, from sound religion from being corrupted, right? So many of the laws of Islam are actually like that. Likewise, in terms of preservation of life, well, you know, the, the uh, uh, life for a life, you know, tooth for a tooth, an eye for an eye, retribution, right? These laws are there to prevent life from being from spilled and taken. If these weren't there, then people would, would kill and, you know. Likewise, protection of wealth, the mal. There are laws that deal with, you know, trade, transactions, stealing, things like that. All of this is there to protect a person's uh, mal, protect a person's wealth. And likewise, aql. Alcohol is prohibited, intoxicants are prohibited, anything which affects the proper functioning of the mind that can then lead to uh, harm, you know, it can lead to death, it can lead to other crimes. Islam prohibits all of that as well. And finally, lineage and honor, lineage and honor. So we see very, uh, you know, adultery and fornication and things which prevent that from happening, like the regulations to do with social conduct, right? Because adultery and fornication, it leads to a person's lineage being mixed up and confused. And when a lineage becomes mixed and confused, or someone is, you know, this then leads to confusion in inheritance and property rights. And because so many other laws are connected to the issue of lineage, right? So this, this brings harm upon the society. Or honor. Honor, person's honor. So if you slander someone, you revile someone, you, you accuse a woman, a chaste woman of something she is innocent of, you will get flogged. Your testimony will be rejected. Right? All these, so all the laws, you see, they have come to protect the five necessities. These are called the five necessities. Ad-Ruriyat. So, now let's go back to a major sin. What is then a major sin? A major sin is something which affects any one of these five necessities. A major sin is any action which affects any one of these five necessities. So for example, drinking alcohol. It's a violation of the, the, the, the necessity of protecting aql. Stealing, violation of the necessity of protecting mal, wealth. Adultery. Violation of the necessity of protecting lineage. 
slandering someone, accusing someone of what they are innocent of, a necessity, the, the violation of the necessity of protecting someone's honor. Right? So a major sin according to this then, is anything that affects and impacts any one of the five necessities. Uh, so we find that this is mentioned by some of the fuqaha, some of the jurists like Imam al-Nawawi, rahimahullah, mentions it in his sharh of uh, Sahih Muslim. And it's also actually a very, very interesting, a very good definition. Because this then allows us, because often you see, again, coming back to these people, uh, these uh, you know people uh, who have irja, who have this murji type of thought and mentality, uh, uh, with them uh, from the liberalists and these kind of people that you see plenty of the, the whole concept of sin the whole idea of sin they don't like this idea of saying someone is sinful and this is what they are trying to undermine right but this is from their jahl and from their ignorance because their hearts are blinded to the fact to, to what we've just understood that anything that Allah Azza wa Jal, he prohibits, it is because there is an actual, real, tangible harm to the society from that thing. Right? Whatever Allah has prohibited, it is because there is there is harm to that to that to that particular thing. Uh, so in, in the Quran we say that Allah uh, Indeed, Allah, uh, He, Ya'mur bil adli wal ihsan wa ita'i dil qurba wa yanha anil fahsha wal munkar wal bagi. Indeed, Allah, He has, He commands certain things and He prohibits certain things, right? He commands, um, al adl, which is justice, and al ihsan, which is good conduct or benevolent conduct, and giving to the near relative, which is generosity. And he prohibits al-fahsha, which is evil conduct, uh, sorry, which is indecency, immorality, and munkar, which is evil conduct, any conduct which has evil consequences. And al-baghi, which is oppression or injustice. And the scholars explain, like uh, Imam al-Sa'di and others, they say that everything Allah has commanded, it comes into the those three things. Everything commanded by Allah, it comes into al-adl, al-ihsan, and you know uh, uh, what amounts to generosity, kindness, and everything Allah has prohibited, it comes under fahsha. It's evil. It's immoral. It's immodest, or it is munkar. It is evil conduct which has evil consequences, or it is al-baghi. It is unjust. It is you are violating someone else's rights. So everything comes under. Every prohibition, meaning anything which is a sin, it comes under these three categories, which means it is harmful to the society. So therefore, when when you know when we say that a Muslim he avoids sin, he avoids doing sin, what he is really doing is that he is protecting the society. He is protecting these five necessities: ad-din, wal-aqal, wal-mal, wal-nafs. Right? He's, he's protecting uh, these five things are being protected when a person keeps away from sin. So that's a very, very interesting uh, you know, point for us to keep in mind. And 
you know, it shows the, the, the wisdom of Allah Azza wa Jal in what He commands and prohibits, that it is not just, you know, like these people say, um, they say, um, you know, uh, why, why do we have to obey Allah? You know, what does He gain? You know, what does He benefit from this? We well, just benefit, Allah, it doesn't, it's not for, it's not for Allah's benefit, because Allah is not, he does not gain anything, nor does he lose anything, if you obey him or disobey him. These things are for our benefit. We are the ones who benefit, uh, who benefit, who, who benefit, or we we are harmed, or we, we we lose. It is for our benefit, right? So you have to you have, you have to stick and you have to abide by these by these rules and laws because they are for your benefit and for removal of harm from you. So. Um, So those are the two definitions, and we'll move to the next issue, point number two then, which is the question, if a person persists upon upon minor sins, if a person persists upon minor sins, is this then considered to be a major sin? Right? So a minor sin is something that does not fall into those categories that we mentioned. There's no had, there is uh, no threat of punishment, there is no Allah's anger mentioned with respect to it, or Allah's curse with respect to it, or the Messiah didn't say, he is not from us who does such and such, right? So anything which is not like that, there's a question now, if you keep away from all those major sins, but, you, but you're always falling into the minor sins, does this become now a major sin? Why is this question? The question is because there are some statements which are related from some of the Salaf where they say Al-Israr ala sagira Al-Israr ala sagira yusayyiruha kabiratan That to persist upon a minor sin turns it into a major sin. Now um the scholars actually have two two views about this. The first view is the one that we just mentioned. That yes, if you persist in minor sins, this will become a major sin for you. And the second view is that it only becomes a major sin for the one who does not abandon major sins. Right? In other words, if you are someone who abandons the major sins, then doing minor sins will not make them to become major sin. Let's just make that clear because it's a bit confusing. Right, so so if you are someone who is committing major sins, you are falling into major sins, and at the same time, you have minor sins which you are continuously doing, you are repeating them, then those minor sins also become a major sin for you. Right? The repetition of minor sin, persisting upon them, that now becomes a major sin as well. But, if you abandon all of the major sins, and you have many minor sins that you are doing, that you are repeating all the time, then they will not become a major sin for you. And the reason for that is, because... 
Allah Azze ve Celle said, "İn tajtanibu kaba'ira ma tunhawna anhu nukaffir ankum sayyi'atikum." If you avoid the major sins which you have been prohibited from, we will expiate your minor sins. So this means, as we see in the sunnah as well, like for example, between one prayer and another prayer that you perform, in between it, the minor sins are washed, you know, they, they, are, they, are, they are removed. And between um, one Jum'ah to another Jum'ah, between one Ramadan to another Ramadan, between one Umrah to another Umrah, between... So you, you find a believer who avoids major sins... You see that all of his other righteous deeds, they are always washing away his minor sins. Because this is the nature of righteous deeds. They remove, they expiate whatever sins that you, minor sins that you are committing. So therefore, upon this view, then it would not be correct to say absolutely, to make it a general principle, that to persist upon minor sins turns them into a major sin. No. Because if you are avoiding major sins to begin with, then your righteous deeds, the major righteous deeds, prayer, like wudu, prayer, you know, charity, uh, umrah, Ramadan, all these things, they, they are continuously removing the minor sins. مَنْ حَجَّ وَلَمْ يَرْفَثْ وَلَمْ يَفْسُقْ خَرَجَ مِنْ ذُنُوبِهِ كَيَوْمِ وَلَدَتْهُ أُمْهُ Whoever makes hajj, and he does not speak like any, you know, foul language, does not, you know, sin, does not do any fisk, he will, his sins will leave him and he will be like the day that his mother gave birth to him. So upon this view then, um, it's not correct to say that someone who persists upon minor sins, that this becomes a major sin for him. It's not correct to say this, absolutely. This now brings us to the third point, which is that Imam Tahawi said about the Ahlul Kabair, مِنْ أُمَّةِ مُحَمَّدِ Now, this, this ruling is not actually specific to the nation of Muhammad right? This principle that we're looking at is for all nations. It's for all nations. It's not just for the nation, for, for, the, for us, for the people of, of Islam. Rather, it is the same applies to the nation of Isa al-Islam in that time, and the nation of Musa al-Islam in that time. Right? This is a general principle and it applies to all nations. All nations who have been given promises and who have been made threats. Right? So it's the same with every every single nation. There is no uh, distinction there. Now the fourth point and the final point that we'll finish with inshallah ta'ala is that obviously we've already mentioned that the people entering into hellfire, they have been the people of major sin, sorry, they have been given this threat. Now just because Allah makes a threat, it does not mean that He always will fulfill His threat. And that's the difference between threats and promises. Whenever Allah makes a promise, He will always fulfill His promise without fail. Inna Allah la yukhliful mi'ad. Indeed, Allah does not you know, uh, uh, not he does not not fulfill his his his promise, right? He does not uh, abstain from his from fulfilling his promise. So, but as for his threat, then a threat it is from the perfection in in in in in the mercy 
and the justice of Allah that he may remove the threat. Right? He he's not binding that he has to fulfill the threat just like he has to fulfill the, the promise. No. So in this respect then, when we have a patient person of major sin, then there are five situations for this person. There are five situations for this person of major sin. The first one is that he actually makes tawbah. So he's a major sinner. He's fell into a major sin. He knows it's a major sin. He didn't make tawbah for it. And because he didn't make tawbah for it, he becomes a major sinner. But at some point, he might actually make tawbah for it. So when he makes tawbah, that now has actually removed what used to be before it. And hence the statement of Allah Azawajal, قُلْ يَا عِبَادِي قُلْ يَا عِبَادِي الَّذِينَ أَسْرَفُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ لَا تَقْنَطُوا مِنْ رَحْمَةِ اللَّهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَغْفِرُ الذُّنُوبَ جَمِيعًا O you, O, o servants, O my servants who have wronged their souls, transgressed against their souls, do not despair of the mercy of Allah. Indeed, Allah forgives all sins. This ayah was revealed specifically about those people who repent. And anyone who repents, Allah will in turn you know, turn to him and accept his repentance. So this is one situation a major sinner can be in. He can actually make tawbah. Second situation is that whatever sin he committed would be removed by the punishment, if there was one, for that particular sin. So for example, if he, if he accidentally killed someone, then he would give blood money. If he purposefully killed someone, then the relatives of the deceased have the right to for, for retribution. Right? And that, that, if that was fulfilled, then his sin would be, would, would be erased. Right? Or someone might slander someone. Right? He would get lashed. Then that sin of slander has been removed by that. It, it goes. He's no longer a major sinner. That sin has now gone. This is a second situation for the major sinner. The third situation for the major sinner is that maybe he has abundant good deeds that wipe out his evil deeds. Um, so, so he has, for example, he has sadaqa, charity. Um, you know, he strives in the path of Allah Azawajal, and he faces harms and so on and so forth. All of this can can uh, remove his uh, remove his uh, sin. Fourthly, uh, there could be other reasons on account of which Allah forgives him. For example, the du'a of somebody else. For example, other people do righteous deeds for him, like an umrah, sadaqah, things of that nature. Or maybe he has calamities in his life. There are calamities, illnesses, diseases, loss of you know uh, wealth, anxiety, stress, loss of life, like someone dies in his family or something, right? Disasters, things like that. They can be removed like that as well. So this is the fourth that Allah, that there are numerous other means by which his sin can be removed. And finally, the fifth and final one, which is that Allah may just choose to forgive him without any other cause or reason. right? And this is where we come to the issue of, of the belief of Ahl Sunnah, that if a person met Allah as a major sinner, and he did, even if he did not make tawbah, as al-Tahawi said, وَإِلَّمْ يَكُونُوا تَائِبِينَ 
even even if they were not repenters, then still Allah Azza wa Jal can forgive him if he wishes. He is under the will of Allah Azza wa Jal. If Allah wills, He will actually forgive him without without punishing him, without any other reason or cause being present. Right? So so a person who is a major sinner falls into these five categories. And we'll finish with uh, the fifth and final point, inshallah ta'ala, which is a person, obviously for him not to remain in hellfire forever, there are simply two conditions. The first is that obviously he has to be from the people of Tawheed, this is clear. He has to be someone who is from the people of Tawheed. And we see many, many texts which mention that from hellfire will be removed a person who has a a seed's weight of iman or an atom's weight of iman, right? So as long as he has a person, a person of tawheed, he will eventually come out of hellfire. And secondly, as long as he did not treat the major sin he committed to be halal, this is a condition, then he will not remain in hellfire forever. So for example, someone who, someone who drinks, for example, he knows it's haram, he knows he's sinful, and he's a person of tawheed, then yes, this person may be punished, he'll enter hellfire, he'll be removed, or maybe he might be forgiven. But if another person, he's a drinker, and he says, well, actually, drinking is, is, is actually halal. It's halal because now we are living in a different time, and we're a bit more sophisticated, and you know, we have controls, and we're able to, you know, guidelines that you know, government's given, you know, uh, you drink alcohol and you are whatever, and therefore it's halal now, it's halal now. It used to be haram before, but it's halal now. <coughs> This person now he's made istihlal. This is istihlal. He's made something halal which is haram. Right? And even if he didn't even do the act, even if he didn't drink, he would be a disbeliever just by way of the istihlal itself. Even if he did not drink. Right? Such a person, this person will not, this person has become a disbeliever. Right? So the condition is that he's a person of tawheed and the major sin he falls into He's not making istihlal of that major sin. He's just a sinner. He knows it's sinful. And you know this is why he's committing it because of hawa, because of desire and weakness. So we'll conclude with that there, inshallah ta'ala. These are some important issues to do with the people of major sin, important principles uh, to do with the definition of sin and the, you know, what will be the outcome of the people of major sin on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. It's important for us to know and understand uh, these principles to keep in balance between the Khawarij and the Mu'tazila on the one hand and the Murji'ah on the other hand. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.